Thanks for listening to Radio Never Apart. I'm your host, Jordan King. Welcome to the first episode of 2021. I... um, Personally, I'm feeling a sense of optimism about the year ahead. Uh, I know there's lots of things that are still not necessarily normal in the way that we knew them 12 months ago, uh, but I think that there's some good things on the horizon. And I want to start this year off by reflecting on my first year of recording and producing this podcast. This was a project that although I researched and did lots of planning for, I also sort of just had to dive into doing it. The idea of Radio Never Apart started out as sort of a passion project and something that I first conceptualized probably around 2001, which is when I first met somebody that to me sort of seemed like an elder who had stories about nightlife history and had been a huge part of Vancouver nightlife history in the early 80s. And that's where I lived at the time. Uh, I'm talking about Marty Pernick, who I then interviewed in the fall of 2020. And that uh, episode came out in the October Never Apart online magazine. So it's sort of been a full circle realization of something that I had kept in the back of my mind for years and years and years as a way to record and document really important nightlife history. I moved to New York from Toronto in the spring of 2017 and subsequently met and got to know so many people who were part of nightlife scenes that I'd either been aware of or in some cases really studied uh, over many, many years leading up to that point. So I formally presented the idea to Never Apart in late 2019, uh, which was to record interviews and start to document some of this nightlife history. That was sort of the initial idea that I started with. I recorded my first two interviews in studio in New York in January of 2020. And it was my first time ever doing recorded interviews. Nora Burns was my first guest and Nora is also a friend. So that interview was very natural and we had a lot of fun. And that same day I interviewed David Ilku, who also is a dear friend. And so uh, it was definitely a nice way to dip my toes into this whole process. Now, needless to say, COVID was spreading globally by March. And that's when, as we all know, serious lockdowns first started. So I really had no choice but to shift from the planned in-person interviews that I was hoping to do to virtual interviews. And so despite all the planning as to how and where I was going to record interviews and even equipment that I'd begin to acquire, virtual interviews actually presented a whole slew of other technical challenges that I hadn't anticipated. Basically all of the challenges that most of us probably know if we've been a part of Zoom calls and FaceTime calls. My first virtual interview was with Blaine Charles. Blaine has an incredible history in Montreal, which included starting the Montreal chapter of ACT UP, the HIV AIDS activism group, and World Ball for Unity to raise money for HIV AIDS organizations. Over the subsequent few months, I was able to continue remotely interviewing people who had been involved in some culturally significant New York nightlife scenes. This included Boy Bar in the East Village, which started in the late 1980s, weekly events like Jackie 60 and Squeezebox, which started in the 1990s. My guests over the spring were some of the founders of those scenes and included people like Lauren Pine, Miss Guy, and Chichi Valenti, all who live in New York. As lockdowns continue to be extended, at least in many major cities in North America, I took the opportunity to continue interviewing people virtually who had been a part of these incredible scenes in New York. 
And my hope was to offer a bit of inspiration about the ways nightlife can bring people together. A highlight of one of these was my interview with Lauren Pine. And she talked specifically about contributing to culture as a participant in nightlife. After the big, you know, economic upturn in the, in the late 80s, so a lot of people wanted to go to nightclubs so they could be bigger and still have a VIP room where locals could get in for free and drink for free and enjoy performances by people that they mostly knew, go to art openings by people they mostly knew. There was just a lot more creativity and contribution to the culture for with more everybody from every economic background having a great time in one room. As of June, it became clear that I wouldn't be returning to live in New York. It also started to seem increasingly like the restrictions on gatherings and the resulting impact on nightlife in general was going to last much longer than just a few months. I knew that some organizers were starting to shift events online, and I also wanted to broaden the scope of the podcast beyond just New York, so I started to interview people I knew in Canada and share about nightlife histories as well as future possibilities. This included my interview with Sean Thompson and Sammy Rawl. My interview with Troy Jackson was certainly a highlight, not only because of our shared history, but also because while speaking about nightlife history, Troy has such optimism for what the future of live performance could look like and what he envisions. Here's a clip from that interview. Personally, as a performer, I would love to see more live uh, more ex- experiential performances yes. out where people have space to social distance, where people can take in a multifaceted way of t- interpreting a story. Um, they, they come in. I mean, I've been doing this for uh, putting in shows and doing part of shows for a long time. Yeah. I, I, li- I like to feel something when I come to the door as soon as I come in. Uh, do I sign in? Do I touch something? Am I interacting with something? Um, and then I go, what's the experience in the show? Is it is it is it is it sensual? Is it is it electrifying? Is it, is it the lighting just so? Is it makeup just so? Is it experiential? The last three episodes of 2020 were an expansion on an exhibition I curated that launched at Never Apart uh, in October called Bijou. Those interviews were extremely powerful and deeply meaningful to me. The focus was intended to be on the journeys of these trans women as performers, uh, but again, I was left with optimism about the future and just such reverence for their stories. Given this opportunity for reflection, I want to share a clip that wasn't included in the final edit of my interview with Connie Fleming, but I'm so excited to share. It's something that I regret having to cut out for time consideration. Connie spoke about the black and white photo of her that was included in the Bijou exhibition called Connie in Her Dressing Room. Uh, It's a photo taken by Austin Young. That was in what was fondly known as the drag dorm. Um, It was Gina, myself, Cody, and Eric Conrad of uh, Bay fame. It was all four of us there. And then when that was around my third season at, at, at Mew Blair, and Danilo had introduced me to Jean Laporte, the perfumer, and I was totally hooked. And we were going out and I was like, they're like, what's that stink? And I ran and got the bottle and uh, and um, Austin was over. I think 
we were either taking pictures for something. I can't remember. But that's my room with a little bit of my art and a couple of my dolls. It was like a huge loft space. We had cornered off our little spaces in that big loft. And I had a big loft bed. Richard Move made a dance piece for the Jackie Christmas show, fired by all of us getting ready because we all had those light up makeup mirrors. And Richard said that like whenever you stood at either end of the loft, you just saw the row of makeup mirrors <laughs> when we would when we when we would be getting ready to go out. That was Avenue 6th Street and Avenue B. That intersection that Connie mentioned is in the East Village in New York. And for clarification, Richard Move, who Connie also mentioned, is still a choreographer in New York. I also have some very exciting news about a feature that will be starting alongside the episodes that I will continue to produce. Collective Culture is a platform that celebrates the voices of Black, Indigenous, people of color, creatives within and beyond Canadian borders, through the collaborative development of multidisciplinary programming and content. That's taken directly from their website. Um, Here's a conversation I had with Keisha and Muna of Collective Culture and a discussion about their plans for podcast episodes, which will appear in the Never Apart online magazine starting in 2021. Here to speak with Muna and Keisha. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thanks for having us. Ah, I'm so looking forward to this. Uh, So you're both going to be contributing some episodes starting in January, uh, specifically put together by the two of you at Collective Culture. Yeah, we're really excited about it. It's been great being able to collaborate with Never Part, especially since they were, you know, the first people that really gave Collective Culture a chance when we started in 2016. So it's nice to see our partnership grow and now um, we're being given space to it's been really I think it's been really amazing the response has been wonderful that essentially once things started to lock down they really shifted energy um, you know it's obviously it's a physical location in Montreal in the Mile X neighborhood but since nothing was able to happen here at the physical space which is where I'm recording today mm-hmm. everything you know they, they put a lot of energy into promoting the magazine and to building content there and to you know creating more offerings for people there so it was like a really wonderful just very organic shift that's happened and it's going to just continue to like grow and to expand and stuff including the episodes from from both of you um so tell listeners um what's what is collective culture about and how did it um and how did it come into existence um so collective culture started in 2016 um and for those who don't know it's a platform that prioritizes the voices of black indigenous and people of color through content development and programming um so when we began in 2016 we put on a three-day festival that was hosted by Never Apart, and it focused on the hyper-visibility and invisibility people of color experience in Canada. And we had, I think, about nine events over those three days, and um, we had, like, a table we were able to play, we had some panel conversations, we had open dialogue conversations, we had um, a little, like, marketplace where people could purchase locally sourced items, um, and it was just a really great experience because we got to connect with the community in Montreal and at the time um, we, you know it was myself and my friend Nene who um, is no longer part of Collective Culture who co-founded it and at the time we really wanted to create a space where we could speak about issues 
that we were learning about in school. Mm. Um, and at the time, we were majoring in women's studies at Concordia University. Mm. We wanted to find a space to speak about these issues, but in a more palatable and accessible way mm. and allow people to, you know, bring their opinion and build community through that conversation. So that was the main guiding force for collective culture when it began. Mm. And then over the years, it kind of morphed into a collaborative platform where people began asking us to produce events with them, moderate events for them, um, just help create programming for them. Uh, and then last, yeah, I believe it was last spring, Mene left the organization and I was working on it on my own and I decided that I wanted to build a platform more online. Um, and then with that came the realization that it's a lot of work for one person. <laughs> yes. so I brought on a whole team of people and now we have a whole social media team, a team of writers, and um, Luna has become like an official collaborator with Collective Culture um, and we're doing all the stuff that never apart again. So it's just, it's grown into such a, uh, it's taken on a life of its own, really, you know, and I'm so proud of my team and all the people who contributed to the platform and, like, given us the space to create it and allow it to become what it is now. So it's been a really great journey. I, I, I'm so proud of it. It's so incredible. And I, you know, I really, I, I really appreciate what you're saying because sometimes in the academic setting, it can feel so steeped in academia and it can feel a little bit like it's really only happening like within those worlds and sort of spheres. So I think taking some of that stuff more out into a place that's accessible for people who aren't like in the academic setting, um, it just like furthers the discussion. It's so powerful. It's so amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, 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 it's um, the thing too that's funny is now you find these types of conversations are more common. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking about feminism, intersectionality, critical race theory, talking about the ways that our identity shapes the way we experience the world. That's really what women's studies that degree teaches you was part of it. Yeah. A very big part of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then finding the opportunities to just talk to people and be like, so what do you think about this? How did, you know, this piece of music, how was identity politics infused into this album? How... Um, do we feel about the way, you know, our parents have been treated as immigrants coming into this country? How can we talk about, you know, anti-black racism in Canada? So mm -hmm. it, it's a very, it's important to take things out of the academic setting because I found, especially in school, that it was really this circular conversation mm -hmm. where it's all these academics talking to each other, yeah. but the people who needed that information and needed that space, the conversation, couldn't even be a part of it because the language was just so yeah that's yeah. so beautiful it's so important um and, and muna you're here on the call as well thank you so much yeah for being here <laughs> and uh, and amuna uh, tell people listening a little bit about yourself you and i had you and i had met previously in a whole other chapter of our lives in the fashion and film world and stuff like that but tell people tell people about yourself so I'm an actor, writer, and filmmaker, and um, I've been dabbling in co-hosting and moderating um, as of this summer. Um, I'm originally from Toronto, but I seem to be based kind of all over. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles and now the UK. Yeah, I've been working in film and television since I was about 16 years old. Uh, I'll let you guys guess how old I am now. <laughs> Went to the University of Toronto, and while I was there, I majored in uh, Caribbean studies and minored in African studies and Buddhism psychology. And I've always been really interested in uh, issues of race, black liberation, um, uh, intersectionality. Um, and so it was kind of like a natural progression for me to be uh, part of something like this because I've spent so much time reading texts by black activists and 
uh, books about black liberation, Mm -hmm. um, literally taking courses on it. And so um, an organization like this, which is really bringing a lot of that work to the forefront and uh, contextualizing it in a new way, because as I'm sure everyone knows, the language with which we speak about issues, the the phrases that we use have changed so much in the last like two years, let alone mm-hmm. five years, let alone 10 years. Yeah. And um, it's great to be part of this new wave. And um, Keisha and Nene, when they first did the festival in Montreal, invited me to come out. And I was just amazed by all the speakers, all the work, like the kind of representation and diversity that was in the space. And yeah, I think I said something to Keisha about like, whenever there's a point for me to collaborate or to participate in something, I would love to. Mm. Um, and that led to us in, was it 2017? Doing uh, yeah, the, yeah, doing the cinema yeah. video mixtape because mm. I was invited, I was invited to create a cinema, which is like a visual collage. And, um, I didn't want to do it on my own and I knew it was something that I wanted to be meaningful. And so like the first person I thought of was Keisha and uh, her skill set as an editor and as a creator was just perfect. And the, the way in which that we, we collaborated to make our video mixtape was like so natural and so seamless. And we created something that we were really proud of. And that spoke to our experience as black women uh, from Toronto, but influenced by um, global media. Mm. And it was something that it was like a visual essay. And I think that experience sort of like connected us in a way where we were like, okay, we have to work on something again, because we're seeing and doing a lot of the same things. And obviously, it's resonating with people. So we we should find other points to connect and collaborate. Mm. Cool. Yeah. And I will say that like what I what I love so much about the podcast format is that it is a discussion and that there's like a dialogue piece to it. So I've really enjoyed getting to like have those conversations, share those conversations. Um, I mean, it's been like a really daunting amount of work at times. I don't think I had a clue what I was getting myself into when I started it. But it's I just think of such important um, and just really critical values. So I'm so excited to be. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to see to see what you know what what comes out of this what you know what kind of stuff you're going to be producing uh, I'm just I'm so thrilled for for both of you um and I'm yeah. so I'm curious to know what what your what your plans are with the the episodes that you're that you're going to be producing well we don't want to give too much away okay. about who our potential guests are going to okay. be but we have some really exciting people for our lineup amazing but what we really wanted to focus on is connecting with different communities and using the platform to build a bridge. Mm-hmm. I think um, to this summer in particular, kind of what you were saying before, Jordan, about how Never Part really shifted because of the pandemic. We were forced to do that as well. Um, and, you know, with the Project Luna was just referring to cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, we decided we want to rescreen it this summer, which is really what brought us back into the Never Apart world because we rescreened it through them online and we did a conversation around it. And, you know, having that panel discussion really... Uh, pushed us to see the value of of conversation in that type of in that in that way, yeah. and I think you know being given a platform to do something like a podcast now is very similar to what we've been doing all summer together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and Luna and I have 
you know, as, as Nina said, we, we love working here. We've been working together for, for many years now. So it's just really exciting that we're getting the opportunity to to take what we've learned this summer in particular and all of our years working together and bring it into this realm. And, um, you know, Nina's an actor, I'm a director and a producer. So we work, both work in the media world and mm-hmm. we have a lot of different people that we know that do stuff in media, but also in business and in tech and in, in all these different spaces with different communities that we want to use this podcast to highlight, you know, the amazing, talented, creative people that we know and um, some that we don't, that we want to know more about. And hopefully we can, you know, learn about these people with the audience that would be listening to the show that we're going to start. A huge thank you is in order to the team at Never Apart for supporting production of this podcast as well as to Jack Fox for his help with sound editing early on and to DJ Dickie Doo in Berlin for producing the theme song at the start of the show. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to leave a rating on the platform that you're listening to and hit subscribe so that you can be notified when the newest episodes are available.